This is a presentation of Dawn Forge Productions. You're listening to Shattered Soulstone, episode number eight. Wait, what? Today's podcast is brought to you by Audible. Get a free audiobook download at audibletrial.com slash Diablo. Over 100,000 titles to choose from for your iPod or MP3 player. Shattered Soulstone is now found on Stitcher Radio. Go to stitcher.com slash soulstone. That's S-T-I-T-C-H-E-R dot com slash soulstone. All one word. Register with the promo code soulstone to be entered to win a $100 prize and you will automatically add Shattered Soulstone to your favorites when you install the app on your smartphone. That's stitcher.com slash soulstone. You have quite a treasure there in that Horodric cube. From the far reaches and burning depths of sanctuary comes Shattered Soulstone, your Diablo podcast. It's beginning to feel like some great evil is permeating the air around here. Now, your hosts, Nevik, Breja, and Jen. Stay a while and listen. Welcome to episode number 8 of the Shattered Soulstone, your Diablo community podcast. It is Friday, January 27th, and I am your host, Nevik. I am joined, of course, by my two co-joys from the proverbial Dawn Forge pouch. Brasia, how are you? Hey, I'm doing great. How are you doing tonight? I'm managing. <laughs> I'm not working quite as much as I have been, but, you know, still still drinking. Well, I'm mainlining coffee right now so that I'm not, like, just a... Uh, <laughs> uh. Yeah, but it'll give you more time for Diablo news. <laughs> yeah. Especially if the coffee makes you talk faster, that'll work. Oh, I don't know if I want to fast talk because yeah, I'll probably trip up a lot. So <laughs> I, I try to I try to have a pretty steady cadence. But anyways, Jen, how are you? How is the beta going for you? The beta is lovely, and I'll be telling you lots of details about it as we go on, but I'm I'm very excited by it. We have a lot to cover about the beta and in Diablo, but um, first I wanted to bring up, uh, I hope everybody has had a chance to listen to our special um, Diablo 2 Gaming Night episode that I put out. Um, We did that last Friday, and the turnout wasn't as, I mean, the turnout was good. I was was glad that all three of us and Lantonio, you know, were there. It made for a good listen, but there were a couple people who said that they were probably going to come that didn't. I, I don't want to name drop anybody, you know, Rillandune or possibly Epsana or um, Skolnick, but, you know. Oh my. <laughs> oh man, here we go, calling everybody out. Oh no. Yeah. But mostly Rillandune, because, you know, I for Christmas I bought him the, the battle chest, so I'm well, he's got no excuse yeah. then, especially if he's running a PC, because yeah. then it should just go. Yeah. <laughs> Not so much in a Mac, as we found. Yeah, actually, oh, no. we'll get into that yeah, later. this is a perfect opportunity. Uh, I think it was Medros linked us a website that had instructions on how to get Diablo 2 to run on your Mac OS, which, poor Jen, 
I know. Now, I was really frustrated because I bought the box and I looked over all the system requirements. And it says, you know, here's the PC requirements, here's the Mac requirements, and I had all those. So I went, okay, good. Just going to throw it in and it'll start and it'll be great. Not so much. The disk will go in for uh, Mac users, but when you go to uh, hit the actual application that installs it, it comes up saying that it doesn't recognize, you know, the application, like the, the code or whatever in the application. So, um, Medros linked us this blog, which we'll put into the show notes, that talks you through how to install Diablo 2 on an Intel Mac. Now, the post is from 2009, so I'm not sure if it's 100% the same um, or not, but it's at least something to try if you got stuck like I did. What I ended up doing was actually going and logging into Battle.net and registering the Diablo 2 game and the expansion pack there. And then you can download it from there and it'll give you the choice of if you want to download it for Mac or PC. And that worked, but it took a really long time uh, to get it. And then you had to go back and I had to go back and do the same for the expansion. Um, It's not like it took overnight or anything, but at the time I was doing this, I was trying to get into the game with Nevik and Brasia and Lantonio. And so it felt like a really long time, you know? Um, So there's that. Now I haven't had a chance to actually fire up Diablo 2 yet at this, at the time I'm recording this, because I've been playing the beta instead, Um, (laughs) which maybe is bad. I don't know, but um, no, it's fine. Yeah. No, the, the, your priority should definitely be on the beta. Okay, good, because that's what I did. So later I can report back to see if what I did actually works. Um, but if not, perhaps I'll try out the link that Madras sent to us about it. Everything wasn't, you know, rainbows and sunshine on <laughs> on my end either. Uh, I I ended up having to basically set my, my shortcut to run as administrator in order to get Diablo 2 to run to even connect to Battle.net mm-hmm. because otherwise it would come up with an error stating that it could not validate your copy and it's like, oh my goodness, what's going on? So, you know, it's it's a game from, you know, a decade ago so, <laughs> Vista, yeah, Windows different 7 operating system yeah Especially with Vista. Vista, oh my goodness, I want to get rid of Vista so bad. You don't know, you don't understand how much I hate Vista right now, but... <laughs> Windows 7 is much better. Yes. At least I think it is. Yeah, does. but I'm wondering how soon when, how soon before Windows 8 is available. <laughs> Anyways. Yeah, so if you have problems getting the game installed, there's options. Yep, there are options. Then you options. can join us the next time we do a live, um, you know, game night. Yep, and... I'm going to say it right now. It's going to happen next weekend, Super Bowl weekend for sure. Oh, I won't be around. Oh yeah, that's right. I just, Uh-oh. Uh, <laughs> I just sadly brought up bad memories. I'm watching a team actually in the Super Bowl. Oh well, now uh, the 49ers <laughs> were going to go to the Super Bowl, but then they took a football to the knee. Oh. The whole team. Yeah. Sorry, 49ers. Uh, my team. It was such a bad game. Anyways, I digress. So, yes, our next Diablo gaming night will most likely happen next weekend. Lantonio is uh, just, he's hes foaming at the mouth. He's, he's feverishly wanting to continue playing Diablo 2. So, um, and I'm going to do something crazy. Um, Lantonio, I know you're listening to this. I hope you have two wizard spikes. Because if you have two wizard spikes, I, I would love to have those. And I will do a, another singing barbarian. I will do it. <laughs> That's actually a fun barbarian to play. That'll but be yeah. neat to see. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. So, 
we have a lot of email to go through. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of email. We do, yeah. And that's great. We love email. Yes. We, oh, most definitely. So, Jen, would you like to tackle the first email that we got from Ratar? Absolutely. Uh, Ratar writes, hello again, and as usual, thanks for a really great podcast. Well, thanks, Ratar. We're glad you like it. He goes on to say, I will try to keep this one short, but my question to you guys this time is about the game engine of Diablo 3. What is your thoughts on the possibility to destroy the environment around you in the game, like walls, bookshelves, and things like that? Since, in my opinion, I think it can be a bit too much of the good. I have played the beta for two hours at a friend's house, and while I was fighting around eight to ten mobs, I managed to blow up a wall and barely could see anything on the screen and ended up losing almost all health. Since this game is all about playing your class really well, at least at the harder difficulties, and you can get easily distracted with books or stones flying all over the screen while you are fighting a large mob of demons. This is just my thought about it, and I prefer to have it a bit more calm in my fighting area. It's enough evading 20 mobs at the same time. And he put a little smiley face there, so that was kind of <laughs> cute. So what are your thoughts about that, and do you believe it could be any pros with being able to change the area around you except for the feeling? And don't forget, go Demon Hunt at least until they release the Wrath of the Paladins again. And that's from his, uh, Ratahar, who ends with Kind regards, Ratahar, the Swedish Hammerden. <laughs> yeah. Go Demon Hunters! Yay! Thank you, Ratahar. <laughs> yeah, thank yeah. you. Now, um, I can kind of answer what he's saying. There, If you don't know, there are aspects of the game engine in Diablo 3 where you can shoot things that you couldn't shoot maybe in previous games. You could still shoot some barrels and things like that. Um, there's a few other things other than barrels that kind of... You, you remember from the other games, you shoot a barrel, there could be gold in it or something, or there could be a nasty little skeleton, you know, that kind of thing. Um, but in addition to that, they could explode. That's right. Um, so that kind of thing is, is still there, um, sort of. Uh, there's definitely barrels. I'm not going to go into what else there is. But um, you can be in a situation where you're uh, shooting a ranged weapon or a ranged spell and you're aiming at a skeleton who's across the screen from you and in between is something like the end of a balcony or a tombstone or something and your shot ends up hitting that instead of the thing you're trying to target and it can blow up and go into pieces. Um, and there are situations in some dungeon things where you can hit part of the walls and they'll come down a little bit. It can get in the way of the screen a little tiny bit but if you move around you can in my experience you can maneuver around it pretty easily and it's it's kind of it's kind of neat i think because you know all those shots you're taking can't possibly all hit your target right it feels like a little more like natural i guess if that word fits in a diablo game at all um but i do get what he's saying that there were times where i was aiming at you know a skeleton or something and i hit a gravestone and I was like, no, no, I'm trying to hit the skeleton. But, you know, you will. I mean, it's not, so far, at least in the beginning stuff that the beta is showing, it's not a huge problem. And I think by the time you get to the higher levels, you're going to be a little more aware of what things could possibly be a target and will blow up, as opposed to what things are not going to be. I remember from when Diablo 3 was first announced, they were they were showcasing the environmental damage and how you could actually use that to your advantage, where, say, you damage a wall and the wall falls down on the enemies which would then damage those enemies have you is that still in the game or was it something a little overstated in the beginning some of that's still in the game it depends on the exact environment that you're playing with but um, there are some things you can do that will knock things down on top of enemies 
specifically. Like, it looks like that particular thing was in the game where if you hit it, it's going to crash down right where those enemies are when you start. But if you don't hit it at the right time, you might not, you know, you might not damage them as much. But it definitely takes out some enemies. Now, not everything is going to do that, but there are some things that do. Does it also provide, like, a barrier? Um, say you knock down a pillar in front of you between between you and the monster, and does it slow down the monsters or stop them? Do they have to go around it? Kind of, to some degree. I haven't had anything happen where it, like, blocked the entire, you know, corridor of the dungeon or whatever, but um, it, if they get hit with it, it slows them down a little bit. If they're zombies, they seem to sort of back up and sort of go another direction, um, which will slow them down from coming at you. But I haven't had a situation where, you know, you've hit a wall or something and it's collapsed and now you can't get anywhere. It doesn't, like, completely destroy your ability to get to the mobs. Yeah, and I've seen um, other videos where, like, you could hit a corpse and it flies, knocks the corpse around across the room or something. I just don't know if that becomes too distracting, which is what Tower is kind of talking about. Like, the environment itself kind of takes over away from the action. And if that becomes too distracting to you while you're trying to do something, um, you know, I mean, because some, sometimes when you're in, especially at higher levels, that split second where you take your eye off of what you're looking for, all of a sudden, boom, your life goes down to almost nothing. And you have to either, you know, either find some finishing move real quick, save yourself, whatever it might be. And it, it could be because there's something in the way of the mob that you didn't see. And, uh, or you couldn't shoot at it because you hit a wall that fell down. So, you know, I, I can see the point. I see what you're saying, but I think that you, know, there, you can't hit everything in the game and have it randomly come down. There are only certain types of things that are going to react this way in the environment. So by the time you've hit a couple of them, you go, okay, that looks like the kind of wall that, that might collapse, or that looks like the kind of thing that might, you know, I might end up shooting. It's a gravestone. I might end up hitting that instead. You kind of learn it as you go. So by the time you get to those high levels, you're going to already have in your head, okay, these are the types of things that I may end up, end up targeting accidentally, you know, and you kind of can plan around it. Yeah, I'm just wondering the situation Rotara might be specifically talking about, because I was watching some videos on the Worldstone Keep, and how the three of them are running around, you know, fighting mobs, hitting walls, destroying things all over the place, and it didn't, to me, appear to be too distracting. Like... Yeah, it was neat to see, like, the rubble go flying off to the side, or these barrels go flying over here, or the bodies get, you know, hit by the barbarian flashed against the wall, but it didn't seem to me to be something where it clouded the vision of the battle itself, like I couldn't see what was going on. I just don't know if there's a certain fight that caused this to happen. I don't think it's a certain fight. I think it could be, um, in some of the, I'm just going to say dungeons, um, you could go in and there could be rubble in front of, a doorway and you have to shoot the rubble or hit the rubble to get it to fall apart and then you can access that doorway sometimes when you're going through the screen at least in my experience from in the hallway to the doorway to the next hallway there's a spot in the middle where the doorway itself and the sort of the ceiling over it are visible to you on the screen but if you take a step back or a step forward now you can see the rooms on either side but if you're in that little space you might not see what's ahead of you okay yeah, so maybe that's that could be what he means, because there could be a situation where you hit one of these things where it's a bunch of rubble in front of a door, and you have to hit it to make it fall apart so you can access the door. There's a gap. There's like this little tiny spot in between where you're kind of in a blind spot. But if you just move, then you're okay. Well, there's also... Um, I, I believe it was... Uh, there, there's another solution to this problem, where if you're distracted by you know flying corpses or 
walls falling down on you. You, you could always play as the wizard, because evidently, uh, I think I was listening to the, Di uh, the Diablo podcast with Flux, and they were talking about how more so with the Barbarian than definitely the wizard, would you notice, you know, like your cleaves, you know, destroying bookshelves and walls and stuff like that. It, it felt more visceral as a Barbarian, as opposed to a wizard, which is, you know, more surgical and clean and, you know... More targeted. Um, yeah. yeah. So, yeah, go with a wizard if, if, you're, if you, <laughs> you don't want to cause mass destruction. Well, I also think you brought up a great point there because you got to take a look. That there might be certain environments throughout the game from beginning of Act 1 to the end of the game that we haven't even seen yet where each environment kind of tailors to a certain class. Like in the dungeon, it's all kind of tightly packed areas, so maybe melee classes destroy more walls, destroy more things around you, which kind of clogs up the vision. But in an open combat area, like let's say that we go to a desert similar to something um, near Lutgolane, well, it's all wide open. Maybe that's a lot better for a barbarian to function in. Uh, and I don't know, maybe there's uh, other areas where the wizard, even though they might be great in the dungeon setting, are not as great in the open setting. Uh, not gameplay-wise, but visual-wise. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. The wizard might be a little too flashy for everybody, <laughs> you know, with all their spells just going everywhere, you know, laying down blankets of, of charged bolts and stuff like that. <laughs> you know, it was funny when I first got into the beta. You get to the screen where you get to choose a character, and it's got all the different classes, and it's got male and female. When I first started playing, it had been set for a female wizard just mm -hmm. automatically like if you just clicked play you would end up with the female wizard and I thought of you immediately Nevik you know? <laughs> <laughs> but when the patch changed when the patch changed um, now it was set for the male barbarian oh the mm -hmm. default well yeah the, I, I'm trying to remember which community manager um, it might have been Bashiok that tweeted something about how how weird it was that everybody would always refer to you know the Diablo classes as the gender combination that they originally introduced the class with. So, like, with the wizard, it was always the female wizard. And the barbarian was always the male barbarian. And same with the witch doctor and stuff like that. People are just used to it that way, I guess, you know? Yeah. But you can be both, you know, each class can be male or female in, in uh, Diablo 3. There is a female barbarian, and she is big and large and bulky like the male one. It's pretty cool. Female barbarian? Yeah. Really? Uh-huh. No. <laughs> <laughs> what, you thought they were asexual? <laughs> well, I mean, the wizard There's is only asexual, males? right? <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay, alright. I'm just kidding. Yeah, we don't leave that one. <laughs> <laughs> so, Brasia, we, we received uh, an email from our good friend, Lantonio. Uh, did you want to tackle that one? Absolutely. Uh, Lantonio says to us... Hey guys, Nevik told me to email the show, so here it is. I've been playing Diablo for about eight years, on and off, mostly on. Ha ha ha. I love the game. It got me into games for the most part. I'm 24 from Wisconsin, and yes, it's cold here. Yuck. I've played the death out of Diablo 1, Hellfire, Diablo 2, D2, Lord of Destruction, with most of the latter on. D2 Lord of Destruction online. Even if I want to play single player, going online and playing alone 
was always the best choice due to the new content and patches only available there. My choice character is not sucking up here has... Oh, sorry. Oh, yeah, I, I think he meant to include a, a little parenthesis. <laughs> Meaning, yes. not sucking up here. Oh, yep. yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. His choice character, not sucking up here to the, uh, the host of the show, mm -hmm. has to be the light sorceress. Mm -hmm. However, Best I'm class. guessing I can make a barb that will stomp your source maverick, so don't get too high-headed anyways. <laughs> uh, the main part of the show of this was to show interest on being a guest on the show. My opinions would be community-based at yours, because even though I've played a long time, I'm not dead strict to act like I know everything there is to know, plus don't know a ton about Diablo 3 yet, mainly because I'm trying to keep this all a big surprise. And just a quick side message, my absolute favorite thing in Diablo was getting lucky enough to have the world event happen online. He'll be, I'd be glad to tell you all about it if you don't already know, and what it is, you'll have to be an online player to know. Anyways, later guys, and gal, hope to hear back from you. Heading out to the east, Lantonio. Now I remember Lantonio was uh, with us last weekend, and he has been playing Diablo 2 for quite a while online, um, doing a lot of the ladder system. And uh, I think he, he's going to be a fantastic source to talk to us about it when he does make an appearance on our show. And so we appreciate you uh, sending us email and, and hanging out with us last weekend. Yeah, if you skipped over the, uh, the Diablo gaming night, definitely go back to it. Because, man, he just he blew our minds with, with some of the changes that have you know happened over the past 10 years. It's like, wait, what? They did what? Wait... Uber Tristam? <laughs> it's like, what? Yeah, things that, you know, we'd never heard of. Um, Lantonio just knows everything, it seems, about D2. Yeah. But the, the world event that he was specifically speaking about was uh, a, a Dark Diablo, or I think he called it Black Diablo, would just randomly start wandering through the world and was even tougher than the Uber Diablo that you fought in Uber Tristam. So it was like, What? crazy. <laughs> All this layers of stuff that, you know, we didn't know about. Yeah. Well, but he sure does. Holy cow. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, I look at it this way. There are, there are quite a few people out in the Diablo um, community who, this is all they've done, is play Diablo. And Antonio is one of those people who like, this is his passion. He has been nothing but a Diablo player for eight years or so now. And some people longer than that. Um, people like me, I've I started with the Diablo franchise, moved into other franchises where I got really involved in, and now I'm coming back to Diablo. And so I think we have a good mix of that in our audience as well. And it would be great perspective to listen to more about it. I mean, I just had a fantastic time listening to all the things that I never actually got involved in because I was not an online player. I was a mod player. And uh, it was fantastic stuff. Yeah, it's like, wow, you, you, you stopped following a game for 10 years and while the game has been supported for 10 years and I, that that's just that's one thing that just amazes me about about Blizzard it was the fact that they were there you can still play Diablo 2 free online you know it's and they've supported it for the past decade 
And so, you know, it's like people who who claim that Blizzard is, you know, money grubbing, um, you know, capitalists now. It's like, mm, sorted, yes and no. I mean, they they need to pay the bills and they need to be profitable and everything. But look at what they've been doing. You know, it's like we're they're up to 1.13 D for the online version of Diablo 2, and that version came out not too long ago. I mean, it's been a while. I don't know exactly. You know what? I should probably have looked that up, but anyways, you know. Yeah. Yeah, long after they published the game and they really didn't need to make any more updates, they still kept doing it. Yeah, and they kept making the game harder. I mean, mm -hmm. I, Hell was already pretty hard with uh, back, back in the day when I used to play it with the immunities. Oh my goodness. It's like you come across a lightning immune enemy and you're like, oh, now I can't do anything because I dumped all my points into charge bolt. But that's that's just me, you know. <laughs> yeah, not everybody's gonna <laughs> just just dump it all into charge bolt there. <laughs> yeah, but I mean like all the rune words that they've created throughout the years and the items and it's like oh it's like uh my head was spinning with all the knowledge that Lantonio was dropping on us. I was like, what? I, I'm I'm still I'm still in a in you know that same sense of shock. It's like what what else could could happen? And it I think it's a good indication that Diablo three will still be supported and get receiving updates ten years from now, even if they don't re release Diablo four. So mm -hmm. yeah, and people will be interested in continuing to play it. You know, it's just that kind of game. Yeah. Before we continue, we should take a minute and talk about our sponsor. And this show is sponsored by Audible.com. And they are actually giving away a free trial to everybody that listens to the show. To get started with that, you go to audibletrial.com slash Diablo. And when you start your free trial, it gives you one free book to, you know, to have of your very own. And in order to find that free book, of course, you need to go check out the Audible service, and you'll find a bunch of stuff that you like. They have over 100,000 different books to choose from, all different types. When you start the membership, it's like $7.95 a month, and it gives you one credit every month, which is roughly equivalent to one book a month in most cases. And it's just a really good way to listen to some books if you don't have time to actually sit down and flip through the pages. And Audible has my favorite series in there it's the Dark Tower series by Stephen King if you haven't read this yet and you're playing Diablo and you really love just the creepiness factor of the Diablo universe where you've got you know things jumping out of the darkness and demons and sort of a ruined world kind of thing you probably will like the Dark Tower series it starts with a book called The Gunslinger which you'll hear a sample from in just a second here. But the gunslinger features the man in black who is being chased by the main character who is, of course, the gunslinger. And you find out all the reasons why as the series continues. But if you want to get the gunslinger or any other book, you can go to audibletrial.com slash Diablo and start that off. The sample you're about to hear, again, is The Gunslinger by Stephen King, and it is narrated by George Godall. So was the horn he had once carried. Gone for years, that horn. Spilled from the hand of a dying friend. And he missed them both. 
He breasted a gently rising dune, although there was no sand here, the desert was hard pan, and even the harsh winds that blew when dark came raised only an aggravating harsh dust like scouring powder, and saw the kicked remains of a tiny campfire on the lee side, the side the sun would quit earliest. Small signs like this, once more affirming the man in black's possible humanity, never failed to please him. His lips stretched in the pitted, flaked remains of his face. The grin was gruesome, painful. He squatted. His quarry had burned the devil grass, of course. It was the only thing out here that would burn. It burned with a greasy, flat light, and it burned slow. Border dwellers had told him that devils lived even in a flame. Our next three emails are kind of a reaction to an article that Jay Wilson put out. So we're, we're going to briefly touch on the article, and then we're going to go into some of the reactions that we received. The main thing with this article that Jay Wilson put out there was that they decided that they were, you know, they decided, you know what, we don't like, how, we don't like the direction that this is going. Let's change things right now. And it was like, wait, what? <laughs> I thought the game was supposed to come out soon, and now not so much. But he did have a really, really good um, line in there, which I am going to pull up right now. Bracia, did you want to share some of your thoughts while I... <laughs> while you look for this... the line? <laughs> yes. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah that, no, that sounds great. Um, Jay Wilson, what's great about this is he sits here and lays out to everybody what has been going on with Diablo. What are they looking at? What's um, what are they trying to do with this game? And kind of going back on something we just mentioned with the last email from Antonio was the fact that, you know, 10 years later, we're still playing this game, still playing Diablo 2. People are still loving this game. Well, they want to make sure that when they release Diablo, they're releasing a game that people are going to want to play for another 10 years. But at the same time, it makes it difficult because... I know, as a gamer, I want to play this game now. You know, I don't care whatever little tweaks they need to do. This, you know, been dying to play this game. But at the same time, as a fan of Diablo, I kind of understand. You know, you need to make tweaks that need to happen. But these aren't just tweaks we're talking about. We're talking about big changes in the game. Some of them are pretty big. Yeah, that's that's true. And I think that's what's causing a lot of people to freak out a little bit. <laughs> It's not the smaller things. I mean, there's a lot of things, but yeah. Mm -hmm. it's, it's kind of a different... Um, I totally interrupted you. I'm sorry. <laughs> oh, no, no, no. Okay. okay. Um, it's kind of a different way of doing things because... Um, I'm going to go into some of this. The, one of the bigger things that is upsetting people is that the changes that are being made are going to essentially send you back into town more often than would have been expected, perhaps, up to this point. Um, there were things that they put into the game before these changes that we're going to talk about that, you know, allowed players to stay in the dungeons longer and to not, you know, end up with a completely full bag as quickly and, and all of these options. And they've decided to go a completely different route and take out those things, and so now you're going back to town more often. And this is a point of contention for a lot of people, for a lot of reasons. Well, it makes sense, but I, I found the line, and... I should have tweeted this when this article first came out. Jay Wilson, and I quote, that I'm going to read this verbatim. Our job isn't to... Er, I'm sorry, I just screwed it up, and I said I'm going to read it verbatim. Let's, let's <laughs> try, try it again. again. <laughs> Our job isn't just to put out a game. 
it's to release the next Diablo game. No one will remember if the game is late, only if it's great. And I, I think that the way that he ended that is, you know, he, he's right. They, they could get the game out, you know, sooner, but if it's not... There's, there's, there's so much hype, you know. It, Diablo 3 has been a long time coming, and I can tell that they... they they are under an immense amount of pressure, especially if the hardcore Diablo 2 community that still plays Diablo 2 and is super feverish is any indication. They know they have to deliver on this game, because if they don't, they are going to lose a a very loyal portion of their of their player base. And nobody wants that to happen as no. a game company. You don't want that to happen. I, I mean. People who are still playing hardcore, D, you know, D2 today, that it's it's still amazing. So, but yeah, I I, I can totally the the mechanic change where they took out which, which was it the Nephilim the cube Nephilim that, cube yeah that's yeah. kind of upsetting some people. There's some other changes too, but since we're mentioning that one, um, what this was. Your character would go through a certain amount of quests, and one of the things you would get from those quests is this Nephilim cube, and also this thing called a Stone of Recall, and it would just automatically be handed to you from the NPC that you did the quest for, and it would appear on your, I guess, character sheet where you equip things. It would just appear. There were two little boxes set aside for it that were empty when you started that now had those little you know, things in there. The Stone of Recall was basically a town portal, Instead of having you know all this, the uh, spells for it or the scrolls for it, it would basically just send you back to town. Um, so they took that out and they just put a town portal down, you know, in the uh, at the bottom of the screen where you know you can access your skills and things like that. There's just a town portal now. Like that's what it was anyway. So they just changed that. The Nephilim cube is just plain gone. Um, now what it would do, you go through the dungeon and you're filling up your bag with all this loot and you're at the point where you, you have to decide if you want to like start dropping things or if you want to go back to town and sell them. Instead, you could use this Nephilim cube and you take an item and you just throw it right into the Nephilim cube and it turns into uh, a couple of different things. It turns into materials and some kind of essence thing. Instead, takes up way less bag space and then you could take the... Uh, materials and the essence go back into town eventually interact with the blacksmith and you could use that to have him make stuff for you so it's kind of win-win you know you got to play longer in the dungeon you got you still essentially got to keep all of the loot you just transformed it into something else that you could use later um they've taken that out <laughs> they've taken out the nephilim cube players will not have it anymore instead they've given it the same ability to the blacksmith so now you know your bag's full of loot, you have to go back to town or start dropping things, you can go back to the blacksmith and you can give him items and he can change them into materials and uh, this essence thing and use those to make stuff for you. But you can't do it on your own anymore. Yeah. So that's got people kind of upset because yeah. it, the effect of this is it's, now you're going back to town more often than you thought. And when uh, Diablo 3 was talked about during, I think, BlizzCon, I think the idea was, you know, to not have you have to go back to town all the time. That that was a frustration people expressed with the previous games. So I think that is where a lot of the uh, argument is coming from, is that particular item. I can sort of, from a design standpoint, taking out the Nephilim cube might be a slight annoyance, but it reinforces a lot of other 
game mechanics or elements in the world where they want you going back to town and with the Nephilim cube you could just pretty much you know go through an, almost an entire act without going back to town and that's what I did you know <laughs> and um, I guess a lot of other people did too and they don't really want that to happen no they want you going back to town they want you talking to your artisans and speaking of which they got rid of the enchantress didn't they the mystic yeah I the think? mystic yeah yeah the mystic mm-hmm. that's what it was yeah. they got rid of that one now in the beta version i did not interact with the mystic i, I hadn't i've not actually tried this out i don't think she or he has appeared in the beta so i can't really say for sure exactly how that was going to work you know but now it's gone so okay <laughs> um <laughs> i guess they didn't need it from my understanding, it's taking a little, it's not working the way that they had hoped it would, at least Jay Wilson saying this. Um, you right now have the jewel crafter, you have the blacksmith, and you have the mystic. Well, basically, the changes in the rune system that they are implementing, along with the way the gems are working from the jewel crafter, it, mystic is almost kind of like adding this more of the same. And it seems like they, since they couldn't get it, to work they want the way they wanted, rather than sit there and spend another month trying to figure out how to get this to work the way it is, they could possibly add it in the future. Uh, so it's it's not something that's being thrown away; it's just something that's being shelved for later. Well, it seems like from what you're saying, it was kind of redundant with what they were doing with the other ones. But exactly. yeah, they could make it into something amazing later on. We don't know. Yeah, and and why you know why bother having another thing to just do in the game that's exactly the same as someone something else, and the only other thing, though, I'm wondering is a lot of, from my understanding, the uh, the jewels and the blacksmithing, uh, especially the jewels, have a lot of main stats, not like secondary stats on them, while from my understanding the mystics had a lot more of the secondary stats, so are they combining that into the jewel crafting so that you get a combination of main and secondary, or are they just leaving it the main? and forget about boosting up your secondary stats with the uh, Mystic, now that they've removed that. Well, they, they also they pared down the, the actual number of stats on gear as well. They, they basically decided, you know what, we, we have a couple things that are doing very similar things, so we're gonna, we are going to streamline it a little bit. We are going to make you know, strength, you know, your melee damage, and agility, your range damage, you know, in intelligence, your casting damage modifier and stuff like that. It, it all makes sense. And the secondary, what they changed, um, what, what was it that was the defense? They got rid of defense and basically... Because well, your armor's already doing that. You yeah, know? exactly. So they, basically they just removed some of the redundancy and made it a little bit easier to comprehend because... Well, I, I'm sure some of the hardcore players out there are probably... Well, not that they would actually be listening to us right now, but... Yeah, so we've heard. <laughs> um, they, they would be like, no, you know, the, you're, you're just catering to the casuals, you know. Uh, what was it, Bashiok's grandma, or was it, or Zarhim's grandma can play this game now? It's like, oh, so? So who cares? You know, it's, it's not going to change the actual gameplay. It's just making things easier to understand. And the beginning of the game is for people who haven't played before, you know? Like, mm-hmm. there's harder levels, you'll get there, but you can't start, that. you can't start, like, uber elite, you know? Well, it just makes it so it's a little more intuitive for players, you know, any starting player, 
don't look at it and you think right away, well, barbarian's large and they're going to... Well, what stat will give them more damage? Well, you think a lot of the what given their strength should give you more damage. You know, dexterity, you know, is good for demon hunters and monks. You're thinking about speed and, you know, quickness. That's, that works there. And intellect is always kind of assumed with somebody who's smart who can cast spells. And that's why it's, it's reserved for the wizard or the witch doctor. The only other question I have, though, is does that mean now that your sorceress won't have a two-handed axe to fight with? Because it's only going to be strength axe? Yeah, that's... Yeah. I, I'll probably still... I, the, the nice thing is that there will be respects available. So I will probably still try to, you know, make that melee wizard <laughs> uh, a reality. But uh, I'll, I'll probably... I know my very first build style will involve, uh, I'm trying to, I can't remember the exact name, but basically the new version of Charge Bolt will be for sure the first build that I go with. I'm trying to remember the name of that too. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, because I know I played around with it a little bit, I'm trying to remember the name, but yeah, there, there is one that kind of does that. Um, yeah, it doesn't matter. Yeah, I mean, it's really not that big a deal, but um, yeah, we know what you're saying <laughs> as far as that goes. Charge, a charge bolt is a charge bolt. It doesn't matter if right. it's by any other name. It's still a charge bolt. Yeah. So. And it seems to me, from what I've seen in the beta, and I haven't played every class, and I haven't done absolutely everything one could do in the beta with all of the classes yet, but um, it seems like, yeah, there are some items where you can't use them unless you're this particular class, but there's also items that anyone can use, and some of those are, like, you know weapons and things like that, so I think you might still be able to build it, but I'll go test it next time I get a chance. Let's start with some of the reaction that we got from this article that was shared to us. Um, Amatos sent us in a his thoughts on it, and th this, is, this is what Amatos has to say. I read Jay Wilson's article on the recent changes to Diablo 3, and I'm a little embarrassed to s about how frustrated I am right now. I am not alone, however, since the majority of the posts in the forums share my sentiment. The fact that Blizzard has changed its fundamental approach to the game so late in its development has given me serious doubts about the final product. I I'm going to stop right there because this this isn't new to Blizzard at all. If you've been following Blizzard for the past 20 years, you know that they will just, on a dime sometimes change things, you know. StarCraft Ghost got cancelled. It disappeared and then was eventually confirmed to be cancelled. Or Path of the Titans was like, oh, it's gonna be the, you know, it's gonna be a great secondary character advancement, you know. And no, we're not gonna do, we're not gonna do Path of the Titans. So, you know, it's, it's nothing new. But anyways, Amatos does continue on. He says, one of the key selling points for Diablo 3 was that we wouldn't have to take constant trips back to town in order to stay in the action. But after the deletion of the cauldron and the cube, along with the introduction of the town portal button, the devs have contradicted themselves in a very complicated, fiscally irresponsible, time-consuming way, and at the expense of Diablo 3 fans, no less. Wow, that's a mouthful, Amatos, and... Uh, I, I can understand your frustration, but I mean, I mean, we've sort of already covered our thoughts on it, and I'm sure we'll be labeled as Blizzard apologists. But I, I don't know. I, I don't know what to think about the 
whole direction change that they did, but... Well, I know when I first heard that they took out the Nephilim cube, I was like, oh no! You know, I mean, I wasn't... I don't think I was as angry as Amato seems to be, but I wasn't thrilled! I mean, it wasn't, you know, it was something that I was enjoying in the game, um, in the beta, and I didn't know how that would work out otherwise, and so I can, I can get the frustration of, you know, changing it from, you're not going to have to go back to town very often, to, yeah, you're going to have to go back to town. I can see where that would be... I can see where that would make someone frustrated. You know about it, especially if they were thinking, "Oh, this is what I'm going to like about the game," and "Oh, now it's not going to be like that." I kind of get that. You know, I'm going to come down on the side of amateurs because I, you know, we came to the Christmas holiday season thinking, "Hey, you know what? Diablo 3 is coming out in probably a one or two months," and you know they're just they're working out the kinks. That's all they're doing. We looked at Beta Patch 9, and hey, there's nothing in Beta Patch 9. This must mean to be getting really close. Well, then all of a sudden we're getting this huge thing saying we're changing major portions of the game you know we're not just doing little tweaks you know we know we're already late and maybe that's part of the problem was there was so much talk about it maybe being released at the end of 2011 okay well no we're not going to release it and we put it in our investor call that it's going to be out quarter one of 2012 well now we're looking at it going there's no way in hell it's going to be out in quarter one of 2012 you know you've already gotten the community going thinking we're going to have it. We're going to have this game real soon. Just hold on. It's there. It's there. And now we're looking at it going, these are sweeping changes to what we thought were going to be just fantastic gameplay mechanics, which now we're not even going to have. Well, you know, it doesn't mean that what they're going to put in there isn't going to be fantastic. I'm sure it's going to be because I think, you know, I have faith that they can do the right thing for Diablo 3. But at the same time, you know, we're fans that have been sitting here going give me this game, give me this game, you're telling me it's closed, and now you're kicking me in the teeth and say, just wait in line, you'll get it soon. Yeah, I mean, I can see that too. Amatos stating that it's fiscally irresponsible. Well, it's... Mm. Diablo 3 is going to sell, and it's gonna, it's not going to sell a substantial amount less just because they decided, you know, late in development to change something that's going to push it out probably by a quarter or more, you know. So I, I don't know if I would say it's irresponsible. I mean, obviously we will find out very soon because the the next investors call is coming up on February 9th. So we will find out what some of the investors think about this. That'll be interesting. The game's been in development for a very, very long time. Longer than, mm-hmm. than it was even officially announced. Right. Longer than one of my children. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I don't I don't think that they've endangered their finances or their fiscal reports with this, other than the fact that, you know, quarter one is not gonna be so hot for Blizzard other than just, you know, wow subscriptions. All I can think of is they obviously have been, you know, looking at numbers seriously through the um, entire beta process and they are finding things that obviously they're not telling us that they're concerned about. Mm-hmm. And they know that gamers nowadays, they eat up content, no matter what game it is, as fast as they can because they love what they're getting and they want to see as much of it. I'm looking at some of these changes and saying they're slowing the game down. That's exactly what they're looking at doing. That's what they're doing with the Nephilim Cube, I think, because mm-hmm. I know that when I had that, I was able to blow through like a whole dungeon before coming back. You know, And now it's like, right. okay, I'm going to have to go back, that sort of thing. I mean, it's, it's, it is going to slow them down. Yeah, they're forcing people to learn the the um, 
the smaller parts of the game, like going back to town. You know, whether you like it or not, there are some players who would go and do that and never know they had to go back to town. Or, you know, um, you, you get people that sit there and they, they grind. I mean, because, you know, we've seen this through Diablo 2. Um, you go for Mephisto runs or you go for Bale runs. And, you know, a person can be sitting there going through, going through, and not picking up anything if they don't want to, only certain items that they're looking for, and they'll sit there for hours on end. I think part of what they're doing is trying to get people out of that mode of, you know, let's sit there and grind, grind, grind. You know, grind for a little bit, but then you need to take a break. And so they're forcing breaks into the game. And they're also forcing you to make more choices about what are you going to keep, what are you going to sell, what are you going to turn into uh, materials. Because you're more limited, and you have to think about more of what you're doing. Yeah, and I just, you know, like one of the changes that they're not going to let you salvage um, white items anymore, like common items that drop. Well, you know, what's the purpose of even having a common item in the game then? Because all it is, you know, you pick it up, you bring it in, and very early in the game, you could probably sell it for a few gold and get yourself you know, a new item or whatever after about 10 runs. But after a while, you're just going to stop using white items at all. You're not even going to pick them up because they're not going to be worth putting them in your bag. They, they might as well just drop more gold at that point. Right, but it is, I mean, those items are useful for when you start out a new character, so maybe, maybe, I don't I don't know that this is true or anything, but maybe they're going to not have as many white items appear in where higher level characters would be as opposed to where, like, new characters would be. I don't know. I mean, they could be doing something like that, but I have, I have no idea. This is mere speculation. Well, let me bring it to something else that, you know, another idea from World of Warcraft. You have white items on vendors in, like, every town, even starting areas. Um, how many people actually go and buy something off of there to put on their character? Sadly, I did, up until I realized that there was an auction house. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, if you're new to the game, yes, you're going to. But after a while, it has no use whatsoever in the game. I oh mean, you can't even, like, even in while WoW, you can't transmog it to make it look like something else yet. I remember selling greys to buy a white dagger with my rogue <laughs> back in vanilla. Oh my goodness. Yeah, see? But that was when you were first starting the game. And that's how and you nowadays, learn. You know? <laughs> yeah, but nowadays, you know, what's the purpose of it? Yeah. yeah. So... And with Amateurs has a lot more to say for it. Oh yeah. He does, yeah. yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. It, this is going to be a long episode, people, because there's a lot of reaction to this, and we're going to get most of it out, you know, it Things will speed up as, as we get along here because a lot of thoughts are going to, you know, they're just going to roll along. But anyways, I, I'm I'm slowing the podcast down, you know. <laughs> <laughs> going back to Nevstown. <laughs> yep, going, going back to Nevstown because mm-hmm. I need to go buy some more health potions for my sorceress. <laughs> anyways, Amatos does continue. This doesn't really upset me. Neither do any of the other changes to the game. What really took me to the boiling point was Jay's statement in the article that no one will remember if the game is late, only if it is great. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. To me, this shows how detached he is from the Diablo community. In the history of video game launch waiting periods, D3 has been one of the most notorious. Hell, it's a punchline in the gaming community that is synonymous with the likes of Duke Nukem. Hey, you know what? We actually have another email from somebody who actually brings up this very topic. Anyways, I think Right, right. Um... For Jay to insinuate that everyone will just forget about how long we have waited and how aggravating it has been for us even before 2008 
is to me a huge brush off of dedicated Diablo fans everywhere. Now, I'm going to play Devil's Advocate right now. Amatos, you are completely wrong on that. If the game is great, everybody will forget and forgive. Okay, I, I'm I'm saying it right now. If the game is great, which we know it will be, Blizzard will be forgiven. Now, whether or not you can get past that with your personal opinions is, you know, obviously we, we can't help you, you know, cross that bridge. But I'm going to say the majority, you know, because that's just how human nature is. You know, it's like, oh, I'm so pissed off. Oh, oh. And then you finally, you finally get it. And then you kind of, you know, you're like, yeah, I guess, I guess waiting wasn't so bad. It, you know, sometimes it's good to wait for things is what I'm trying to say. So, I, 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 I know, Amatos, you're upset, and you feel like this is a big slap in the face, but just stick through it, okay? Anyways, he continues, adding fuel to the fire are those people who say that they are happy with waiting as long as it takes since Blizzard is so dedicated to quality assurance and everything they touch is gold. For one thing, waiting for a dev to create a quality game he can is one thing, but let's be honest with ourselves here. The only reason Blizzard can take the better part of a decade to churn out a game is because of the windfall of cash that they have coming in on a constant basis. That's not entirely true, but I'm sorry, I just inserted my own um, opinion right there. But anyways, uh, that in the reality that Diablo, up until the real money auction house, hasn't shown promise of being a cash cow. This goes to show that Blizzard is more interested in the bottom line than satisfying a relatively small fraction of its customer base. Wow, where do we start with that paragraph, Brazier? Okay. And then go. Okay. Yeah, that sounds better. Yeah, okay. I think Blizzard has a prolonged history of indifference to the Diablo franchise and its exclusive fans, and the latest developments strengthen this opinion. To be so close to launch after so long and then change core components is outrageous, to the point of impotence. After three years of hype has left me a broken, empty shell of a man. I have a general wow. malaise. Well, yeah, I have a general malaise for Blizzard, and anything short of a firm Diablo 3 release date makes me ill anymore. I think it is safe to say that Diablo 3 will be my last Blizzard purchase. And you know what, Amatos? If you're if you're that upset, and you're gonna still buy the game, you are being a hypocrite. I, I'm, I'm sorry, but that's, I, I'm, you're being a hypocrite by making that statement. And no, I, I, I get where he's coming from, though, because, you know, it's just something that we really want to have. But at the same time, you know, it, it's not that, you know they're changing little things. I mean, I've already mentioned this earlier. They're not changing little things. They're changing really big things. And it's not so much what Jay Wilson told us, it's what Jay Wilson's not telling us. Mm -hmm. You know, when you look at a game and you're saying, okay, it's so close to finish, and then they're pulling out these huge parts of the game, what are they putting in? Right now, it doesn't sound like they're putting anything in. And if they're not putting anything in, then maybe they're really close to release, and they just haven't told us. But at the same time, if they are pulling, you know, going to put something else in... How much longer is that going to take? Seriously. He did, uh, there was, there was, what, one little thing where, um, they are also making, I don't know, the, the statement didn't insinuate 
what level of change, but there there's also changes coming to the skill and rune system that they weren't will, willing to share yet. So, so that could be big. Yeah, it could be big. It could be just a tweak. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I, I, I know I'm going to get labeled as a Blizzard apologist, or you know, but that that's fine because Blizzard has proven to me time and time again that waiting for something is not a bad thing, and I I have my trust in in blizzard and in jay wilson i mean he's stepping into a really hard position right now or well he stepped into a hard position and that's delivering on a game that still has a feverish community still playing the game after 10 years how would you like to step into that role i think that would be really really hard to do you know i mean jay wilson has to know that no matter what he says he's going to get this sort of reaction from some people and amatos i Calling you a hypocrite is kind of harsh, but I, I still kind of stand behind it because if nothing is going to speak louder to Blizzard than the money out of your wallet. If you give them your money, then you're saying, yes, take your time. Please take your time. If you mm-hmm. do not buy Diablo 3 because you're so pissed off that, you know, at the, at the 11th hour they decide, nope we're going to make a change and it's going to push things out, you know, three months, four months, six months, maybe even a year. Hopefully not, but... Oh, no. <laughs> that, that that does bring up another interesting question. What if they don't deliver Diablo 3 before the annual pass commitment comes up? But Well, let's not even go there. <laughs> that's going to be huge. No, they'll, they'll find a way to make that up to WoW fans. I don't think that's their concern. Uh, what they need to keep um, an eye on is you know, this part right here, where you have such loyal, devoted Diablo fans that even if they do whatever, they're still going to buy the game. You know, that's not really being hypocritical. That's being, I love this series. I want this. I want to do this. But at the same time, if they're going to take one another year or so or to push this game out, especially when it was supposedly so close to being released, they're going to lose a huge percentage of the people that not just losing the people that are going to play it, but the people they were going to tell to play this game. And the people, those people they were going to tell to play this game. The marketing that could have happened, just word of mouth, which is huge for anything. I'm still standing behind the fact that all will be forgiven when Diablo 3 is finally in our hands and it lives up to, you know, all of our expectations. And it's... That, those expectations have got to be, you know, <laughs> sky high right now for a lot of people. But I think sky high is a little low. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> to be yeah, it might be. I'm kind of wondering, like, I'm playing the beta right now, so that, you know, I feel like I'm kind of getting a little bit of Diablo 3, so maybe I personally would be angrier about this if it were not for that. You know? Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I tend to have anger management issues in general so I mean I could very easily have been someone (laughs) writing a letter like he did you know but um, we'll just it's one of those things we're just going to have to see how it goes but I do I do understand the frustration and I I think Amatus also brings up another important point Blizzard right now has something really good going on with the way they've had the business model for World of Warcraft and what they've generated with Starcraft 2 and an international community that it's just as feverish about that game as Diablo players are about their game, to the point of esports and everything else going on. That 
they need to find they want to find a way not just to and Jay Wilson even put it out not just to release another game but to release another Diablo and that is you know something that's going to take the world by storm that's going to cause everybody to stop playing whatever game they are and come to play Diablo you know and if they're doing that like their development team is working on ideas that's going to make that happen I'm for it but at the same time, they got to be careful not to trip that line of saying, well, we're almost there, we're almost there, we're almost there. Because soon enough, they'll be so almost there, people will be like, almost to what? Who cares now? They're, they're walking the razor's edge right now. So, it, it, it is a very precarious position. And I understand the frustration, but I did want to highlight one other thing that Amatos did bring up. And that was, he brought up the Real Money Auction House. Now... They're monetizing the game in a different way, but they're not doing it to milk their their fans. This is this ha the real money auction house has more to do with the gray and black market that is still going with Diablo 2 right now. You know where people you know they get scammed. You know credit card information gets stolen. It's it's more to address that than it is to hey. We need to make some money off this game. And you know what? They do need to make some money off of Diablo. Because it has been in development for a very, very long time. And they have not charged a single dime. And I, I'm, I'm going to state that one more time. They have not charged a single cent for playing Diablo 2 online. Ever since the launch of the game. So, I mean, we're, we're talking 10 years in. And... Have you have you had to pay anything? No. So they're not trying to milk the fan base, okay? It's I'm sorry, I'm I need to step off my soapbox. So Jen, <laughs> let's let's move on, right? <laughs> yeah, because I'm getting frustrated because oh, no. you know it's <laughs> Okay. It's just I people who claim that Blizzard is just out there money grubbing is they're wrong. I'm sorry. They're they're, okay, they're let's wrong. move on to the next email yeah. before you like go into a spinning barbarian rage on our show here. <laughs> um, this next one is from Gabriel, and he says, Hello, I'm sure you'll be covering the announced system changes. Blizzard released on January 19th, and you'll be looking for listener reactions. Although I don't have access to the beta, here's my feedback. And for one, he says the ID scroll gone, the identification scroll. His response is, yay, my OCD in D2 compelled me to hoard unidentified items until I could get another scroll. I look forward to this quality of life change. Do you guys know what's going on with the scroll? Should I explain that a little? Instead of having a scroll, the, the whole idea is, even in lore, that you're so awesome as a character that you can identify scrolls yourself. So that also tells me, we don't need Decker Kane, do we? No. No, but the idea is you don't have to carry... <laughs> He's got a slightly different function object. in this one. But yeah, you don't have to put oh, okay. in your bag space um, you know, little scrolls of identification just in case you come across some kind of loot that you it, it, that is unidentified and you're dying to know what it is. But that's helpful. I agree with him on that. You know, It's quality of life change. I like that. He goes on to say, moving the fifth quick slot button. He says, no opinion since I'm not in the beta, but I'm wondering if this move is motivated by the possibility of porting to D3 consoles. What do you think? Um, what he's talking about is you have five slots you can put things in. You can put a spell in there. Um, you know, you can put an extra spell. If you, you get more than, you know, when you get to more than two spells that are attached to your, your mouse, the right click and the left click, you can start putting spells in those slots. 
one of the things that they've done is taken uh, slot number five and they've made that a dedicated potion slot. So every time you get like a potion of health, it will appear there. So you can easily click on it in battle when you need to. Um, personally, I don't know that this necessarily has to do with the possibility of it going to a console system because I know when I started playing the beta, the first thing I did was take those little uh, potions and stick them right in the slot five because it was really convenient. Mm -hmm. um, so maybe everybody else did it too. And so they just decided this is a good way to go. I think that's what they mentioned was that everybody was throwing potions into the fifth slot anyways. It's convenient because, you know, it's, it fits right where your index finger would be. You can just hit it really quick as you're fighting. So anyway, it's like ergonomic, I guess. Yeah, it's just a UI change. That's simple. That's good. Yeah, it's really simple. He goes on uh, removing the Mystic Artisan, which we kind of talked about a little bit. He said, I can understand the decision behind this. Juggling talents, runestones, and gems already seems a daunting task to most casual players. Customization is great, but this leads to the same question I had when Blizzard brought up Path of the Titans for Cataclysm. What's the difference between Path and the current Glyph system? Well, the Mystic's gone, so it's really hard to say what they were going to do with that, you know? <laughs> But I, I see where he's going with that. And then he brings up the Town Portal spell, removing the Cauldron of Jordan and Nephilim Cube, Blacksmith salvaging, white items no longer salvageable. Hmm. Will white items increase in level or usefulness as the game progresses? If not, what's the point of them at all? And we kind of touched on that. He says, I appreciate the concern for pacing, uh, fighting slash forcing you back to town to empty bags, but I'll bet the change was due to other factors, like folks flooding the auction house with white items slash salvage items, or people earning gold too fast by vendoring white items to the cauldron. Um, I guess that's a possibility. I don't think I actually ran into the cauldron in the beta. If it's in there, I am oblivious to it. Um, <laughs> but um, he's got some points with, you know, that could be part of why they're doing it. But, uh, you know, it's hard to say. And for number five, he says changing core attributes. This is tough to gauge without knowledge of what's there now. But as a longtime D&D fan and WoW player, the terms strength, intelligence, dexterity, and vitality are instantly recognizable and should make gearing up smoother. And I'd have to agree with that part. Um, you know what those are, you know? <laughs> you know how those work. Uh, for six, at his last point, he says, displaying character stats in the inventory UI. He says, just like the WoW character screen, this is definitely a positive quality of life movement. Now, what he means by that is, right now in the beta, they have moved the... Um, there's a window that pops up that has your character screen, like where you can equip items, that sort of thing. And underneath that is your bag. And so that makes it very easy to go from one to the other, you know, move things, equip them, unequip them, switch them out. They used to have a different screen that had the stats of, all, of your character. Like if you changed, you know, if you changed one uh, weapon for another, you could go to the other window, open up on the other side of the screen and look at the stats. And you can see already where this is covering part of your screen on both sides. It can be a problem. They've merged it together into one spot just where the bag space is. You know, the bag space, the character, and then the, the uh, stats are right next to your character equipable screen, I guess. Um, so that's what he means by that. It's a lot easier. It takes up less of your screen as you're trying to do things. Um, and you can click on it and pull out all those stats if you want to see all those numbers. He ends his email by saying thanks again for the great show, and that was from Gabriel. Thank you, Gabriel. That's a great like, pinpoint of all the changes that we'll put into the game. Yeah. You know, and it kind of just to kind of go back on the, the core attributes again, uh, just real quickly, you know, it, I grew up playing D&D as well, and it's all kind of a, it's going back to more basic stat attribution. You know, so when you go in there, it's more intuitive of what you're looking for. And I, I think a lot of, like, those little things like that, the inventory, UI, um, you know, some of those things that we're talking about are, you know, the fifth 
slot button. I think those are all a result of seeing what happened during the beta and what people are doing in there with those things and what pe uh, people are looking for. And to also have the town portal stuff, the, the Nephilim cube, that's all part of, you know, like, like they said, slowing down the game. Uh, maybe not like the auction house. Like right now, if, like, take the only other auction house that Blizzard really worked with is in World of Warcraft. And if you go in there, there are people, they're right, they list everything. You know, you'll see gray items, you'll see white items. You're like, who the heck would ever buy something like that? You'd be surprised. People Somebody, yeah. yeah <laughs> Someone exactly. will buy and, it. Yeah, especially with transmog now. No, it's not just that. I mean, just simple things like how many times you could go to a vendor, buy a recipe from the cooking vendor, walk right over to the auction house, two buildings over, and list it, and people will still buy it for 10 gold because they don't know any better or they don't think about it or they're too lazy to go get it. It could be that, yeah. They don't want to go through having their you know, new, newly rolled tune go over to the vendor or go over to the cooking guy and get it so they'll just purchase it and just send it over. I mean, I could see that. I still think that having... Um, they don't spend... Uh, I don't know exactly about Diablo. I know in WoW they've done the same similar thing where I don't think they have really spent enough time on figuring out what the virtual economy is going to be like by the time they release this game. You know, you're trying to run numbers. Maybe they have, and I, you know, we don't know a lot about it, but I think that they're kind of wondering how are they going to, you know, if they put a value on white items, well then, players are going to put a value on white items. How much value are they going to put, and how much are they going to just destroy, destroy the economy by overvaluing these items when they place them on the auction house? And I think that's kind of what Gabriel's getting to, is if you start putting um, this little white axe that you could pick up, you know, 40 of them in an hour, and you post them all on an auction house, but nobody else has it for less than 1,000 gold, well, you know, if you really want it to do, use it for something, you're going to buy it, and then obviously they've run, there's going to be websites out there that are tracking the prices of items that get sold. Oh, hey, this must be really worth something. More and more people are buying it, and more and more people are going to use it for something. If it doesn't have a value in the game, well, then people aren't going to take it and just throw it on an auction house because it doesn't really have a value. Right. Yeah, yeah. Good points there. One less thing they have to try to fix later on. Right, true. Mm -hmm. Actually, the auction house aspect of things um, is intriguing because uh, if anybody's familiar with Marco, uh, probably know him from his WoW fame. He's a self-accredited... Uh, personality, um, social networking guru, um, auction house, millionaire, season six, gladiator, stuff like that. Anyways, he recently was banned from the beta for, in what Blizzard called exploitive behavior. And what he was doing was he was buying, um, well, at least what he told told us through his blog post, and there will be links in our show notes to those, was that he was buying items off the vendors, salvaging them, and then put and sticking the materials up on the auction house. And Oh, that's brilliant. <laughs> that's brilliant. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And he was also, uh, let's see, he sacrificed his wizard's survivability, because, I mean, well, let's be honest, once you hit level 13 in the beta, from all accounts, you kill everything in one hit anyway, so there was really no need to have any kind of survival gear, so he just he stacked gold find to the max that he could achieve, and he was making 
over he was averaging between six to ten thousand gold an hour and between that and his auction house I, I guess you could say flipping his knowledge of how to flip items on the auction house he he made a lot of gold really 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 fast and he ended up getting banned for it now we don't have absolutely every detail we only have what he his account of the story is and and Blizzard kind of sees it at what he did as an exploit so you know there there's there's some issues there so it just be careful <laughs> is what I'm trying to say in terms of the auction house if if you're like Brasia and you know how to make tons and tons of gold really really fast you know make make sure that you're careful about how you're making that gold and not exploiting the system in any way so see that's the thing with that is he was putting up um the salvageable stuff like the materials right am i understanding that right he's putting up the materials instead of okay i don't know that they figured people would do that Mm -hmm. that's that's really interesting (laughs) i would never have thought to do that well that's part of what i meant about the taking a look at professions and what items they put onto there and how they value them in the game um, I don't think they've close, done that close enough because really there are a lot of very savvy people out there who know without exploits how to make a lot of gold um, in the game and they could probably translate that and make money out of it you know no, I'm not saying they're going to be there to be able to quit their day job but you know they could pull in a you know pull in an extra hundred dollars a week or so now, Marco claims that he could get probably about a thousand by the end of the week, which you know you would have to see. Take that for a grain of salt, but at the same time, you know it's putting these values on things and taking a look at a market and creating items that can be sold or not sold, and how do you control that? Uh, they're really charting um, untested waters, especially with the real money auction house. Uh, so they really need to be careful about it. But I think you know the other parts of the story we don't know is, you know, even after they've done that, what's the definition of the exploit? You know, what, you know, is it a clever use of mechanics? I mean, this argument goes in every game that you play. You know, was it, if it's not what the developers intended, but it's still able to do it by your own means with everything that's available in the game, is that really an exploit? You know, or is it the fact that, you know, you're just much smarter than what the system was? You, know, you figured out how to game the system. Now, is gaming the system an exploit? At the same time, I mean, if you're not, to me, if you're not running a bot and you're not trying to, you know, you have some kid farming for you, and things like that, you know, you're not, you're not trying to do it illegally, uh, immorally in some way, you know, you're not depriving your life by sitting there playing 40 hours a week, you know, or a day, uh, you know, just sitting there trying to do this as a job. I, I don't see that being like, you know, even if you do it a long time, it's not really a bad thing. It's it's more of how do you approach it? Are you trying to do this to break the game? At the same time, I think when you get into you're in the beta, you need people to do this. You need people to test the hell out of this, so that if it breaks, you know it now. You're not trying to deal with some sort of law case after you've already published a game. Yeah, that's why I'm baffled that they actually banned Marco because I I would think that they would want to embrace him, you know, and say, hey, you know, bind the holes in our system so that way we can make it better and, you know, plug those holes up. Of course, they might worry about the honesty of him in terms of, like, well, will he tell us everything? 
or will he not, so that he leaves himself a loophole. It could have been, too, that um, maybe it's an automated thing, you know, like, do they have something that's kind of watching to see how much gold is accrued in a certain amount of time that just assumes, okay, this this is someone who's running a scam? Or it's a bot or something? I mean, if that automatically pops up... It could have been an automatic trigger, but the, he did get a response oh. from uh, from customer service, and they basically told him that what you were doing was exploitive, and we we do not or we do not foresee us restoring your beta access. So basically, they told him, oh. "Nope, sorry." So, yeah. So Interesting. Th- there's got to be something that he didn't share with us, but Blizzard's not going to also release what was exactly done and how well, it was yeah, done. yeah, of course not. I mean, you know, so you can only take his word for it, but at the same time, it's like they don't want to release that information because they don't want everybody to know how to do it. Mm-hmm. They want to be right. able to fix the problem themselves. And also with Marco, he's a special case where he runs a website, you know, called Diablo 3 Gold Guide. He's going to be selling his secrets on how to make gold and or real money on the Diablo 3 auction house. And then that probably put them in a, you know, kind of an awkward position. You know, like, what, what do we do? Do we allow him to, you know, just have at it and know how to break, how to work our auction house for his own benefit and then sell it for even more of his own benefit? Or, you know, it's, I don't know. I could see that being iffy because, you know, this is the beta that he's in. So he would be essentially getting information that not everyone can get, you know? It would be different, I think, if the game was released and he started doing this, because then it would be, well, anyone could come up with this idea, but he could, theoretically, uh, put together a list of how he did this, sell that to people, even before the game's released. You know, that's kind of like, eh, I don't know if that's quite, like, you know, plagiarism slash stealing or not, you know? Well, I don't think it is. I mean, there's a lot of people that, uh, not a lot, but there are several places that do sell guides for doing that in other games. And it doesn't. It's not just exclusive to Diablo, and it's not that they're going to come down on that. I honestly don't think that they even care who the hell he is. I think it's just simple. You know, you found this thing, you did this exploit, or not exploit, but what we're calling it an exploit. You know, we want to fix this. We don't want you messing around with anything else. And you know, you're in the beta. You're doing this in the beta. We don't want to waste our time having to ban and unban people in the beta. Not right. the rail, the rail game. Oh, I mean, yeah. you go into World of Warcraft to the Mog Father, just the guy who is basically selling transmog gear, making millions, and just giving that all away. And he's already been banned four times for giving the money away, for giving the gold away. And so what he's had to do is contact Blizzard and let them know, okay, I'm going to be doing an event this time at this place. What happens is, you know, he gets flagged every time he opens a trade window and gives a certain amount of money away. Mm-hmm. And it just sets up an automatic ban in their system. So then you have to go through the process of getting unbanned. I think that they would prefer not to even deal with that on something that's only in beta. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that makes sense. But still, I, I don't know. I, I still think it would be to their benefit to keep him in the beta. You know, I, I, I think I might put out a feeler to see if I can get Marco on the show. Because I, I like Marco. Oh, yeah, he's a, he's a good character. Yeah. Warbringer. <laughs> Anyways, I remember that. Yeah. Uh, rest in peace, Casticlism. Anyways, <laughs> that was a good podcast. Brasia, we we have an email from Papa 
Papa Kangaroo himself. Hey, Papa Kangaroo wrote in. So, um, oh, now I'm in trouble. <laughs> yeah, that's well, just you, not going to die, is it? <laughs> you, well, hey, you didn't call Medipop. finally tricked me into it. You didn't call him Medipop, so. Oh, speaking of that, Medipop was not my creation, okay? It was not my fault. You can blame RZBG for that. Oh, read the bug oh. for that one. All right, yeah. thank you. <laughs> so, anyways, we have an uh, email from Medros. And before I get into this, I wanted to say that what happened is with these emails tonight, all of them have been terrific. And they've had differing points of view, different ways of, of looking at the game. And I think that this is kind of what brings this podcast to life. Is you know, we're not all sitting here saying, you know, sunshine, unicorns, rainbows, you know, Diablo, yay. You know, there are people that are on, on the other side going, ah, give me that damn game. Mm-hmm. But... You know, Medros hair has his view on um, what Jay Wilson wrote up, and yeah, let's get into it. Hey, crew, Medros here from the little company called Dawnforge. Not sure if you heard of it. <laughs> <laughs> what? Dawnforge? I am sure you have 101 emails, close to that, about the system changes that have been announced and occurred since your last show. A lot of the rants that I've seen have covered stuff like it's been too long, this is a bad as Duke Nukem. Well, I thought I would debunk that theory and share by some in the community. <coughs> Nevik. <coughs> now, wait, wait. Hold on. <laughs> this is stemming from a, I think the chat room of all things Azeroth, where I, I made the statement of, you know, it's almost kind of like Duke Nukem in terms of the length of development that Diablo 3 is, you know. And I'm not I'm not 100% wrong on that. I mean, but anyways, yeah. Okay, so now we know where that came from. Right. (laughs) Well, Medros goes on to say that Diablo 3 was announced in June of 2008. This means that it's been three and a half years from the announcement to now, and may be a full four years from announcement to release. There's no way to truly know how long the internal development on it has been, since Blizzard kept their usual cloak of secrecy on its development. So, since we do not know, we must go uh, announce to release. Estimating sometime this year that for Diablo 3, four to four and a half years. Duke Nukem was announced April 1997. It was released on June of 2011. This was 14 years and two months. Now, this is not meant disregard the anger and annoyance that folks have over this. There are some changes that are awesome, uh, some that are baffling, and some I will need to see the game to truly grasp their effect. I am not in the beta like some people, <coughs> Jen, <coughs> <laughs> so I don't know the effect of something like the, the Nephilim cube being removed or how nice it will be to not have to use identification scrolls, which I have hated from Diablo 1 since the start. Finally, the rants about development time and release it already confused me. I didn't see anything saying that these changes would take an extraordinary long time to develop, change, or test. Also, I for one want Blizzard to take as much reasonable time as they want to get Diablo 3 right out of the gate, simply because I want the game to be ready by Blizzard standards, which is super polished by the standards of any other game maker. So hear me. Blizzard developers, take whatever time you need to get this game right, so that in 10, 15, and 20 years, we'll still be playing it 
like madmen. Sincerely, the big Pumba. See, I, I'm not a fan of Pumba. I <laughs> just it doesn't it doesn't fit. Well, I think um, part of you know Medros brings up some great points. Uh, yes, this is not as long as Duke Nukem, and it's only been since 2008 that they announced they were actually going to be releasing the game. But it was still in the early stages of development. You know, since about 2002, 2003, when Blizzard North was still a part of Blizzard. So um, this is this is something that's been here for quite a while. Now, you know, part of it could be perception that you know Diablo fans have been like building up this huge wave of anxiety over you know are we going to get this game out in anticipation of how great it's going to be and we've been seeing all these wonderful cinematics and great gameplay from people who are streaming things on the uh, the internet um, but at the same time it's just uh, it, it's getting to be a while you know for something that was really close even though this is a wiki and can't be treated as 100% fact it's on the internet it's true <laughs> Everything on the internet is true. Um, Diablo 3, according to this wiki, work started back in 2000, late 2000. Oh boy, here we go, 12 years now. Yeah, so oh, we're kind of getting close to that 14-year mark. Now, that that's only assuming that work actually did begin in 2000. Now, it's... This could just be conceptual, whereas with Duke Nukem, it was probably just a little bit more than conceptual back when they first started it. But um, basically, back in, uh, what is it, May 28, 2003, was the big four resigned from Blizzard North. That was Bill Roper, Max Schaefer, Eric Schaefer, and David Brevik. And most Max Schaefer and, I believe, Eric Schaefer and David went on to... For, um, Mythic, right? They created Mythic Games, and then they later became Runic Studios. There was an interview that uh, Flux did with, I believe, Max Schaefer, and before Max left Blizzard, he was working on Diablo 3. So, we can safely assume that Diablo 3, at the very least, was in the conceptual stages back in 2003. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, you're talking... Eight years now. Almost eight years. So, almost as old as my oldest kid. <laughs> yeah. So it's it's not quite Duke Nukem in terms of you know fourteen years, but you know Duke Nukem, take it or leave it. Duke Nukem forever was doomed, anyways. <laughs> Such a name for that one. Forever. How long did it take to get out? Forever. Forever. So it was at least it was aptly named. So. The only other comparison you can draw is. Looking at StarCraft II, that was a, something that took over 10 years in development. Mm -hmm. And, you know, yeah, there was a huge community that couldn't wait. They were bursting at the seams for it. And since it's been released, you don't hear about the grumbling anymore. And everybody, it, not everybody, but a huge community around the world loves this game. It is fantastic. My son likes to watch, you know, he, he plays it himself, but he likes to watch you know, the professionals play StarCraft 2 because he's just, it's phenomenal to watch what these guys can do with the skill of the computer and playing the strategy game. You know, you don't hear anything about that anymore. But before you did, before it was released, you heard a lot about it. 
I think we're in a similar situation. You're hearing a lot about it because it's not out. And we know that it's supposed to be out soon. And we're hearing so much. It kind of goes back to Amateurs, you know, and what he was saying that, you know, how long are you going to keep me captive, basically? What is it, you know, are you putting out the best thing I've ever seen? Because you keep building it up to be that way. And it's been built up that way for a while now by Blizzard. That it's going to be the most fantastic. Because even Jay Wilson said, it's not that you're going to put out a game. You're going to put out another Diablo. That is a huge baggage to carry. You know, a huge burden for a game to, to carry. Because, you know, if it's not as good or better than Diablo 2 from beginning to end, not just, you know, the first act or half act that you get to play in the um, beta, but if it's not from the beginning to the end better than anybody could have even imagined, they're going to have a lot to answer to to the Diablo community. Needless to say, I think all of us are still extremely, you know, we're sitting on pins and needles waiting for this game to, you know, go gold and be shipped out to retailers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I don't mean to sound like <laughs> such a today on the show, but, you know, I, I'm kind of torn. I'm in that middle, you know, like between, yeah, I, I don't mind. They can take their time and get it out and make sure it's a good game. I'm happy with that because, you know, I like Diablo. I want Diablo to be really good. I want it to be the best experience I'm ever going to have when I play that, you know, when it comes to gaming. But then at the same time, I'm on the other side going, damn it all. You had it a month ago. It was so close. And now, what am I going to wait for? For you to take out more stuff? Not that you're adding more stuff, but you're taking out stuff. Yeah. You know, and you're changing it from being, I can go in there and grind, 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 you know, and do the thing that I'm supposed to do in an action role-playing game to, I can go do it, man, my bags are full. i got to go back to town. I, I do admit, that is kind of a bummer. But at the same time, I can see the need to break up that, you know, the the action, because... Otherwise, you're blowing through the content really quick, for one thing. And Mm -hmm. the other thing is that some of the quests that you're picking up are from the NPCs in town. Mm -hmm. You know, so you need that. Um, It used to be that you had to go back to town because you had to access something that would let you change skills. Now you have to go back to town, and you could be anywhere in the town and change skills, but you can't do it in the dungeon. So, like, if you level while you're in that dungeon... And it says, hey, you've got a new skill slot open. You might want to go back to town anyway just so you can put another skill into, you know, what you could use. There's there's things that are working, you know. And again, I, you know, the, the beta was uh, down before we recorded the show because they were doing some kind of maintenance to it. So I'm not sure exactly where the beta is going to go. But um, I think if I was not in the beta, I would be really frustrated about having the game delayed because I wouldn't see what they were doing, you know. Yeah, I, I just hope that, um, you know, kind of, Amatooth brought it up, and he had a good point with this, was that, you know, he, th- he thinks that by what Jay Wilson was saying, that he's detached. I don't think he's detached from the community. I think he's seen, a, and he's seen a lot of it from both sides, and especially a lot of people who are very unhappy about it. He, he has to see that. I think what he's looking at is what is the betterment for the entire game, for the longevity of this game, and that they don't, as a company rest on their laurels and think, you know what, we got a we got a good following of people behind us for Diablo. They can wait a while. You know, you can't count on that. Not nowadays. Not not with how much competition is going to be out there. There are going to be a lot of very good games out there that are going to be released. And yeah, they might have a little bit of problem with them, but people will stick with those games because you released it. So, 
don't wait too long. That begs the question. Where is Torchlight 2? Haven't heard a peep out of Runic Games. <laughs> Where, what happened to Torchlight 2? <laughs> it was more or less gonna sorta be ready to come out last year, but what happened to it? Haven't heard anything. But hey, the good news with that with that article was at, at first, you know, I felt my heart crack a little bit. I'm like, oh, the game's not coming out at the end of February or early March or whatever. But then I saw the silver lining of that cloud, and I'm like, now I have more time to play Kingdoms of Amalur. <laughs> and you wanted yeah. that, so you're getting something. So you yay! Here, take your time. Oh, wait. <laughs> but you know, don't take too long. It's, but I, I, I just I can't foresee them, you know, stretching this out too much longer because I don't think they've ever had a beta go. You know, you know what? I I don't want I don't want to misspeak, but screw it. If if I if I'm wrong on this, so what? But, uh, <laughs> yeah, write in and tell us. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, do you really think that Diablo 3 is going to be in beta for like nine months? No. It's going to get released. It should not be in beta as long as it takes to gestate a child. That's just wrong. <laughs> you know? <laughs> and on that thought, <laughs> I, wow, yeah. I, I think it's, I think it's time to, uh, possibly wrap this show up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So, thank you for listening to episode number 8 of the Shattered Soulstone podcast. This will definitely be the longest episode that we've had so far. But uh, we are hosted by Don Forge. You know, you, you, you might have heard of it. I think there's this guy called the Big Pumbaa who runs it. Uh, I, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> and you can read the show blog or listen to the show archives over at www.shatteredsoulstone.com and I wanted to highlight the fact that Jen is doing and will be doing an awesome little uh, little articles every month with the Diablo 3 calendar she will be going into who is or or what is you know the art that appears in each month so that's pretty awesome that's been a lot of fun. I did uh, I did. Who is Mr. January for the January one, and I've got a February one just about ready to go. Um, just kind of explaining, you know, well, this is awesome art, but who is this in reference to the Diablo universe? Because I didn't think I knew all of yeah. them, and I figured others wouldn't know. So yeah, you can find that over on the show uh, the show page. It's there. You yep, can't out. wait until August. Just saying. <laughs> but you can find us on Twitter. Uh, the show account is Shattered Stone. I'm Nevik James. Brasia is Brasia Priest, and Jen is, of course, the Queen of Haiku. Or I almost totally said that wrong. Queen of Haiku, because otherwise the Queen of Haiku would not... Could be yeah. someone else. And know. we are also on Facebook and Google+. And we cannot do this show without you, the listener. So send in your contributions, questions, and feedback to show at ShatteredSoulStone.com. Epsana, I'm looking at you. You were supposed to send us in something about the, your beta experiences. Just saying. <laughs> Picking on <laughs> hey, uh, I'd, I'd say we get Epsana on and we have her and Jen duke it out over uh, Diablo 3 beta. Mm. <laughs> well, she, sure, she still has to you know, give us the report on the Book of Cain smell. Well, maybe she could do that when she's on the show sometime. Yeah. So, until next time, for me, for Jen, and for Brasia, let's hope that beta isn't a child. 
that made that made no sense. I fail. Aww. Fresh. <laughs> Release the game. This has been a presentation of Dawnforge, copyright 2012. Find great podcasts and more at thedawnforge.com. <laughs>